Well, good morning, Resurrection. You ready for that river of life coming right here? Ready to go dip in it seven times? Be healed? You ready to find that here in this place? <laughs> Carolyn's pointing to her black eyes. Say, yes, I am. I am ready. She got that in good service to our young people at General Conference, so there's a badge of honor with that black eye. Well, river of life, it's near. We celebrate. We sing praise and joy that that healing is possible that that healing is meant for each and every one of us. And no, we know that we need healing. We know that we need healing in lots of levels, personal, spiritual. We need healing in our families. We need healing in our church home. We need healing as a country. We need healing in our world. And today we hear a story of healing, and we're going to talk about what that means for us in all these different situations. And I want to bring up that just sometimes, sometimes healing hurts. Sometimes it hurts. It's not always, yippee, the river's here, let's jump. Sometimes the healing just hurts because it demands something of us. We may not be ready to give yet. Sometimes it hurts. You may have seen the movie The Spitfire Grill. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. I recommend you all go out and rent it this week if you had not seen it. A story of redemption in so many ways. But there's this one scene where this woman who's been hurt so much in her life is helping another woman heal. An elderly woman has fallen down and injured herself, and she's lying in a bed, and the younger woman is massaging liniment into her flesh. And as she's doing it, the older woman is really just wailing in pain, just wailing, hurting, as the younger woman continues to put this healing ointment on her. There's a moment in time when the main character who's doing that stops. Her name's Perchance, and she went by Percy in the movie. And as she stops for a moment, she takes a breath and says, do you think when a wound goes deep enough that the healing of it hurts just as much as the wound itself? I'm here to testify today that sometimes that is absolutely the truth. Sometimes the healing hurts just as much. And you wonder why we don't want to change. It hurts. You know, we have to make accommodations. Things are different. Well, in our world today, some of us may be celebrating that we feel like justice was done. Some of us may be grieving and hurt in the Trayvon Martin case that the verdict wasn't the justice that we hoped for. Some of us may be wondering, how in the world do we get in such a place where the only response, the only way of meeting a stranger and someone different from us is to reach out in violence? What does it mean that we're so afraid that when someone is different than us, we have to strike out and we have to hurt because of fear that's within us? What does it mean that our country, our world, is still that place? Oh, God, we need healing. And healing like that hurts. Healing like that hurts. That we're not afraid of one another. And it takes time and it takes commitment. One of my friends, fellow pastor in San Francisco, preaching at Glide this morning, her name's Karen, she said, Troy, I'm going to wear a hoodie this morning in solidarity with Trayvon. And I said, well, that's fine, Karen, that's really good, but when you take that hoodie off, you're still white. <laughs> you know? still white, we have different realities in our world, different realities of what it means to wear a hoodie, 
And what happens to you if you're in the wrong place in the wrong time? And that fear takes hold and violence erupts when God would have us be different. Oh, we need healing in so many ways. We need that perfect love that casts out that fear so that demon is gone and that we see each other as human beings with dignity, with care, with respect, as family. You heard the saying, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Sunday morning is the most segregated time in our nation. Sunday morning, the most segregated time. Go to your white church, you go to your black church, I'll go to my church that speaks Spanish. Most segregated time. We are a nation that still needs healing from one of our original sins. We still need healing. I'm so thankful when I come to resurrection, when I come to resurrection, that I don't see all white people. You know, but they are everywhere, <laughs> including me, including me. But I give thanks that we're not one of those all one or all the other places. And I want you to know that that takes good, hard work, faithful work, intentional care. Because if you don't do it, then you lose it. And don't you know we make blunders along the way? Have you ever been insulted when someone didn't mean to? But still it hurt. Still it hurt. You can say, oh, bless their heart. They're trying doesn't mean it still didn't hurt. So we can pray for healing this morning, and we hear a story of healing in our scripture. We hear a story of Naaman, a high-profile guy. Naaman's a general. He works for the king of Aram, and he's a successful general. He has slaves in his household from multi-cultures that he's conquered, and he has a problem. Naaman has leprosy. And so Naaman's used to prestige and power. Naaman is used to getting his way. Naaman is used to people bowing down to him. And then all of a sudden, there's this leprosy. You know, in that day and the time, that meant people thought you did something shameful and you're getting punished for that. So here he is used to being a powerful person and all of a sudden, people are starting to look at him differently looking at him as something's wrong with him. And Naaman just can't tolerate that very well because that's not how life is supposed to be. So he listens. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you're so desperate that you listened? The story goes he listened to his wife. Can you imagine that? <laughs> you know, got so desperate. He listened to the wise one in the family, the wise one, you know? So there's the wise one who's been listening to, to the servant, another young woman who's an Israelite. And the servant said, you know, if he could only go to Israel and meet our holy man, Elisha. If he could only go meet Elisha, he is a healer, and Naaman would be okay. So for Naaman to be ready to do this, he had to listen first to his wife, and then he had to listen to a slave girl, and I tell you what, he just had to be desperate because that wasn't his world in order to go and to find healing. But he does it. He does it on his terms. He goes to his king, who is the king of Aram, the stronger nation at this time, because Israel is losing power. It's a weaker nation at this time. Still independent, but not as strong. And so the king of Israel gets worried. This letter came. Heal my general. You know? 
and the king of Israel, the weaker nation, says, oh, he's trying to provoke a war with me. If I can't do this, he's trying to provoke a war. What are we going to do? So there's some political intrigue in all of this. But you know, Naaman, he's ready to get his way. He got his king to write a letter to that king. That king tell that prophet, heal me. Have you ever tried to order your own healing before? You ever try to order it on your own schedule? Okay. Did you ever even forget to pray about it? Just busy ordering it? And then complaining when it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen? Because you know how it's supposed to happen? So Naaman has sent a letter to the king, who sent a letter to the other king, who then sends word to a prophet who's not used to listening to the king at all. Because Elisha is just his own person and listens to God. So we go on this pilgrimage with Naaman, this pilgrimage of healing, to go and finally be clean again. And so he goes, and he goes in style. Chariot, many chariots, money, lots of money, a force of his soldiers around him. I don't know about you, but I'm Elisha in my little place, and here comes a general with chariots and soldiers and money. I might want to pay attention to him. He must be important. What does Elisha do? Okay, I don't have time for you. Just go down and wash in the river, but do it seven times. Go wash in the river seven times. Doesn't even come outside. Naaman. Boy, talk about adding insult to injury. Who does he think I am? I'm here to be healed. You know, I've ordered it. And Elisha just says, go ahead, be healed, go wash in the Jordan seven times. But he doesn't come down. So Naaman gets so upset by this because of who he is. He doesn't deserve this kind of behavior. He almost doesn't get healed. You ever been in that place before in your life where you knew what it was supposed to be like so much and got yourself so out of joint you almost missed healing that God had for you right there in that place? almost missed it because it didn't happen the way you want it didn't happen according to your status it didn't honor who you were in the right way so Naaman almost misses it until one of those voices again another slave says to him now you know if he'd asked you to do something big you would have done it if he asked you to move a mountain, you would have done it. But he's asked you to do this simple thing. So Naaman listens again. He's able to let go of the status. He's able to let go of his pride. He's able to let go of everything he thought he was to listen to this foreign prophet tell him how to get healed in a muddy river instead of the better ones back home. He goes, he dips himself seven times in the Jordan and he is healed. He has listened, but he almost missed it. He almost missed it. Oh, how many times in our lives do we miss it or almost miss it when we need to be healed? Because it's not on our terms the way we want it. 
one time in my life when such a thing was going on where I needed healing but wasn't aware of it. Have you been in that place before? Because I was in control of the world. I was a pastor. <laughs> you know? At the height of the HIV AIDS epidemic, I'd buried so many people. I was just tired and I was just weary. And so what I did was I decided to run away. And when I mean run away, I ran away. I went all the way to Egypt. Um, seriously, that place. And I got there and I collapsed. I was so sick, I didn't even see the pyramids. I found out later that I was near death. I had a perforated appendix and was slowly being poisoned. They said it was a spastic colon and gave me medicine they don't prescribe in the US. But I'm here today, but I am here. So I was in that place and I went from Egypt to Israel going on a runaway. I don't know about you, but I must just be a crazy pastor. I'm gonna run away, gonna run away to Israel, you know? Run away to the Holy Land. Run away, was what I thought I was doing in my mind. So I didn't tell anyone I was a pastor. I didn't tell anyone what I did. You know, went by myself through this pilgrimage, though I didn't name it that. And as I went on the journey, the three days in Israel, I got hooked up with a van load of Jewish grandparents. <laughs> Kid you not. A couple of their grandkids were there, but mostly Jewish grandparents, and they, we were having a good time. We did all of the tourist sites, and so uh, as we went places, we enjoyed going in and out together and talking about them. But I was in the closet in more ways than one, because one of the grandmothers thought I was an eligible Jewish bachelor, <laughs> and was trying to fix me up with one of those granddaughters who wasn't interested at all. She had listened to me talk about the work I was doing around HIV and AIDS, and she saw my smart safari outfit. <laughs> and granddaughter started telling me about her gay friends in New York. <laughs> but I got outed along the way as the bus driver one time was checking roll and got to my name and said, and Reverend Troy Plummer, and so then I became the Gentile holy man. <laughs> Whenever we were in a ruins that had Greek in it, they wanted me to translate. No, not good at that at all. Not good at that at all. But as we kept going on the tour to all these places that are so important to our faiths, faiths together and faiths separately, we went to places like the, uh, the Nativity, the Church of Nativity, we went down to where Jesus was supposedly born, and the, one of the Jewish grandmothers came up to me, and she would say, this place is holy for you. You know, she was real happy for me to be there with me in this place, and say, this place is holy for you. And, and I said, well, yes, for my people, but I'm not feeling it. You know, the, the marble and the bronze and the, it was just, you know, when I think of Jesus, you know, I just don't imagine him in marble and bronze, do you? And so I just wasn't feeling it. And we kept going different places, different places, different places. We got to the Children's Holocaust Museum. And I was at the end, and the same Jewish grandmother was right ahead of me. And as we went through the museum, there's this room that opens up, and there's one candle in the room. And they have mirrors around it in such a way that it reflects as if there's tens of thousands of candles in the room. 
and there's names being called in the background of children who died. So this Jewish grandmother, her hands are on the rail, she's looking at it and she freezes, she just paralyzed there at the rail, looking and listening. After a moment, she starts to heave, to cry, just to wail. And I move over beside her and let her know I'm next to her. And she just continues and continues. When she's done, we walk out to the bus slowly, arm in arm. I didn't think she was going to move, just stuck, paralyzed. But she did. And we went out together. Later that afternoon, we also went to plant a tree. Those signs of hope. Plant a tree in the ground. So I planted my little tree, got it in the ground, and put little rocks around it to protect it, since I wasn't going to be there to take care of it. And as I planted the tree, I sat there and I looked at it, just kind of not feeling, just planting the tree, going through the ritual. And this Jewish grandmother comes up to me. She'd been listening. She said, name every leaf. What? Name every leaf for one of those you've lost. Name every leaf. I looked back at her and I was angry. I said, you don't know how many people I have lost. I was hurt. I said, what do you mean trying to tell me to name every leaf? This little tree is too small. There's not enough leaves on it. She just said it one more time, name every leaf. Sat there for a while. And I started. Got through, did it again. Got through all those leaves and did it again. Three times, naming the leaves. In the middle of naming the leaves, I started crying. And the tears in my eyes. I heard those words, the leaves of the tree link, trees are for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree from Revelation are for the healing of the nation. Just stayed with the tree and cried. Seemed like forever. I don't usually hear voices. Could have been that appendix poisoning. But the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nation. That river that we sing about, that river that comes close, that river that comes through on the sides of that river in the holy city that God offers us are the trees on either side and the leaves of those trees are for the healing of the nations. So once I got up to move around, I head back to the bus. I turned around. There's this woman whose name I don't know waiting for me. She's been praying over me the whole time. Just waiting for me to get up walk arm and arm back to the bus. She was Elisha. She told me to go dip in that water seven times, name every leaf. And I got mad. I'm a pastor, I'm in control. Just like Naaman, I had to let go. So God could work some healing within me. I had to let go. What in your life this day do you need to let go of? so that God will work some healing in you. Because God's ready. He wants that joy for all of us. 
She is working for our healing night and day, prayerfully, fretfully, wanting our best, wanting our joy. Oh, what do we let go of? How can we let go of that fear that keeps us separate from one another? How do we let go of those things that keep us from trusting fully? As individuals, as a people, as a nation, as a world, as a church. Church, you've had hurts. Over the past few years, you've had leaders change so many times. Do you know my name? <laughs> you know my name? You know? Oh, what if that, what if that are we still holding on to? We've got Dwayne, and we've got Harry, and we've got Lily, and we've got Janice. Now we've got Troy. What do we need to be free of in order to let God work through us in this place? Because God's ready. Maybe we can do that pilgrimage together. Pilgrimage that this little miracle of not being the most segregated place on Sunday morning gets shared with the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>